is the Employment Law Show. Yeah, we know that sound. It can only be a Monday evening. Welcome to it. Uh, we're ready to go. It's 632 on Monday. John Scholes here and joining me from Lawyers.ca. On a Monday night, of course, it would be Alex Luchaferro. He's going to be answering all of your questions on the phone. And otherwise, if you've got email questions, we might get to some of those. But you can send those along anytime. You'll get an answer. Help at employmentlawyer.ca to reach out to Alex and his team outside this half hour. That's uh, that's easy as well. one 821 5900 That's how you get a hold of Alex and his team. And always the website, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. No dumb questions. It's all about... Uh, Employment law, your workplace life. So if you're wondering anything, this is the show to make those questions and voice them. So bring it on. And, uh, you know, when you ask questions, I guarantee you there's going to be at least a couple hundred people listening that would uh, benefit because they might be wondering the same thing and never thought to pick up a phone. Our main topic is going to be severance packages, key things to know about those in just a bit. But we always start off with the case of the day. Pal, what do you got going on, Alex? Hey, Johnny. Thanks very much. Another uh World fame edition here of the mm-hmm. Employment Law Show, of course, for a Monday evening. Great to be uh, back live on the air talking employment law, talking workplace rights for employees and everything that comes, John, under uh, that heading, whether it's uh, severance, as we're going to chat about this evening, or uh, layoffs or harassment in the workplace or changes to your terms of employment, firings, promotions, you name it. If it has to do with your employment, with your work, we cover it all here on this very show. Uh, and as you said, John, our callers are a big part of that. It's a call-in show. We're here to help people. We're here to take calls, give information, help people on their way to resolving their work- workplace disputes. That is exactly what we do on the show, John, and also what we do all day, every day in our role as employment lawyers. Uh, still lots going on in most workplaces, uh, John. Been uh, been quite a, quite a crazy start to the year. Unfortunately, we're still seeing lots of people getting permanently let go from their jobs and being offered severance. A lot of times that severance is inadequate, uh, John, and not nearly good enough, especially for longer-term employees, more specialized workers and skilled laborers, still getting a ton of questions about temporary layoffs and what an employer can and can't do when they're changing somebody's employment. That's certainly still a big one. Really, regardless of the issue, uh, you know, we speak to people every single day, uh, John, uh, and help them resolve their workplace and their employment situations. And again, that's what we're here to do uh, tonight. Uh, case in point, uh, John, I have a bit of a uh, bit of a positive uh, case of the day here, only because it was a, a relatively com- complicated matter uh, that came across my desk uh, almost a couple of months ago now, just before the holiday. So it took took some time to resolve. Uh, but uh, let me get into it, uh, John. It's uh, of course the case of the day. It's a segment where we talk about a matter uh, that came across my desk and that we've dealt with uh, personally and. Uh, I think provides a good example, uh, John, of situations where employees have more rights and more protections than they might think they have. So, again, spoke to this gentleman before the holidays, John. So this, I think, would have been in early December uh, of last year. Uh, Very nice gentleman in his late 50s, had been with the same company for about, uh, I believe it was 12 or 13 years or so, in a sales role uh, job. We speak to lots of different uh, people that work in sales across many industries. Uh, uh, John, I have to commend salespeople for the work that they do and the role that they play in companies. I mean, listen, salespeople is how lots of industries, lots of employers make their money. John, if it wasn't for those salespeople, uh, you know, uh, services 
uh, and products wouldn't be sold. And and again, that's how lots of companies make their money. And so they're they're the backbone really of most employers. And unfortunately, John, it is very often the case. We as employment lawyers see this quite often where when a salesperson starts to do too well, they're too good at their job. Their sales are extremely high. They're making lots of bonuses because of that, lots of commissions because of that. Of course, that's how most people's most salespeople's compensation is structured. It's base, it's bonus based, it's commission based, usually a very, a very modest base salary and then lots of upside depending on how much you sell. Once those salespeople start to do really, really well in their jobs, John, we see it again very often. Employers will come in and say, hey, you know, and without saying it, what they're really saying is, hey, we think you're earning too much. We'd like to revise your commission structure or we'd like to revise your bonus structure. And that's exactly what happened in this gentleman's case, John. His employer came to him in December and said, hey, listen, starting in January and moving forward, we're going to be changing your comp- your commission structure. And that's going to lead to a change in your pay. And, you know, th- this guy wasn't sure exactly what the impact would be. But over the course of the first couple of weeks of January, John, he figured it out very quickly. Effectively, because of the change in the way the commissions were going to be paid on his sales, this guy was going to be losing about 40% of his total income moving forward for 2024 for the rest of, of this year. And so he reached out to me and he said, well, you know, is the company allowed to do this? Can they make a change like this? What do I do in response? Yeah. And I was very, very firm in my advice, uh, John. An employer cannot make a major change like that to the terms of an employee's employment. In you know, in particular, specifically their compensation package. That is a classic case of what we call a constructive dismissal, which is basically a breach of contract. The employer here, by changing his pay so negatively and so drastically, they were basically terminating this employee or threatening to terminate this employee. If they actually went along with this pay cut, listen, long story short, uh, John, I won't bore you with kind of all the back and forth, but I spoke to this gentleman a few times, a few times, coached him on what to tell his employer. We actually never had to actually get involved here. Uh, we didn't send the employer a letter. We didn't become involved. But just by coaching this individual through what to respond to his employer, the news actually broke today. This gentleman called me today and said, hey, guess what? they're reconsidering the pay cut. It's not going to be happening. I'm going to continue earning what I was earning last year. They've actually shelved the subject and they're going to, you know, they're going to think about it, but it looks like at least for the time being and hopefully forever permanently, this gentleman is going to not lose a single cent, a single penny of his earnings all because John, he spoke up and said, hold on a sec here, guys. I'm not comfortable with accept with accepting a pay cut. I'm not acceptable uh, you know, I'm not accepting this kind of change to my commissions. And again, an example of an employee standing up for themselves and, you, you know, taking a stance and what ultimately led to a very successful uh, outcome, which is this gentleman is great at what he does and he's going to continue earning what he should be earning uh, and his employer won't get to cut his pay. So all is well that ends well. And uh, again, hopefully with that lesson, uh, you know, a little... Uh, a little heads up to our listeners out there that you've got yeah. more power than you think as an employee. Great story. We're going to uh, slide into a quick break here, Alex. Get on with our main topic for the uh, for the evening severance packages. Key things to know. We continue just getting warmed up here in the Monday night edition 
of the Employment Law Show. Stand by. Welcome back to the Employment Law Show. You guys, correct. 642. It's the Employment Law Show on a Monday. Alex Luchaferro is your guy. He is the lawyer. Reaching out afterwards uh, to Alex, you can do so. Help at employmentlawyer.ca and one 821 5900 But, Lindsay, hey, Lindsay, thanks for uh, standing by for a moment. Good evening. How are you? Good. How are you? Great. Good day. Good day. Good to have you along. What's your question? Um, I, it's kind of a, it's a bit of a long question, but so I've been employed with my employer for 28 years since I was 16. Um, I've been, so I've never been trained ever in any kind of occupational health and safety stuff. No women, no anything like that. Um, I recently had to go on a sick leave because I've been, I've been sober for about five years and I, the work environment's changed. There's been a change of employees and stuff, employers change in management um and everything's changed so much i had to go and go on a sick leave and i'm just what i'm wondering is i'm i don't know if i have any rights i don't know what to do i'm i'm at a loss because i've never even had to take any time off ever and i just i i'm not exactly sure where to go or what to do or what what to do from here yeah well listen uh you know step number one in that in the right direction Lindsay, is reaching out and having a conversation with an employment lawyer maybe exploring what those options are and what your yeah. best option might be so appreciate you calling in obviously sounds like a difficult situation just so i understand it correctly yeah. Lindsay. so you're currently on a medical leave of absence right now just went off like about a week ago because okay. i i was again it was i like i i've been an alcoholic most of my life and i haven't drank in about five years and i just it could just be that I, I don't know how to deal with stuff. I don't know how to handle myself. I'm not really exactly sure, but it's I just it's just too much, and I just had to go and and go off for a little bit until I figure out what to do because I I don't know what to do. It's been my whole life, and I I just I don't know if I'm going to be able to be successful in that environment anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, listen. Good good for you for recognizing that and and taking a step back if uh, if need be, rather than things you know getting worse. And I, that would be kind of you know, step number one here, which is recognizing that there's a problem. And, and, you know, the next step after that is then trying to figure out what a solution could look like, right. Lindsay, right. moving forward so that you can actually, you know, and, you know, enjoy your job and perform right. it well and, and work in a positive work environment. So, I mean, the first thing I would say is, and, you know, in case it's not obvious here, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a counselor, right. I'm an employment yeah. lawyer, but take care of your health. Obviously that comes first, whatever kind of work that you need to do during your medical leave, to feel better and to get better, that should be priority number one now, and maybe park some of those workplace yes. issues for now while you, you know, while you while you get a little stronger. <clears throat> Secondly, Lindsay, and this is what I we recommend quite often to employees dealing with this situation. Listen, you need to you need to narrow in on exactly what the workplace issue is. If right. you are dealing with a colleague that's creating a lot of friction and tension and negativity, or if your boss is bullying you, listen, your doctor can help you with that kind of stuff. And they can help you in the form of what is called accommodations. So do keep in mind as an employee who's dealing with some health issues, and even if you've been cleared to work, right, you can ask your doctor to provide you with some accommodations. So maybe those accommodations are, they could be very practical things, of course, like, take more frequent breaks or work part-time hours or, for example, to maybe get a little more creative, Lindsay. Again, if we're talking about individual people here in the workplace that that are causing problems, listen, an accommodation in the workplace could be to not have any interactions with a certain employee. 
right? right? Okay. Or to request to work under a different manager. Your doctor right. can frame some of these accommodations in a way that you can at least set yourself up for a successful return back to work or at least for it to be as successful as possible. Okay. You know, listen, it needs to be said, Lindsay, no workplace is perfect. The grass yeah. is always greener on the other side, right? I mean, nothing, it's not all going to be, uh, yeah. you know, flowers and, uh, and rainbows, yeah. but you have every right to work in a safe, positive work environment. You have to figure out what is causing those problems and work with your doctor to set up a return to work plan, an accommodation plan that solves those problems. Even if that's just a temporary solution, that's the way you get back to work, uh, okay. Lindsay. And then hopefully over time, you find solutions to those problems. An employer does have to accommodate an employee to the point of undue hardship. That is the language that the law uses. What that means, Lindsay, is unless it's impossible to accommodate an employee, they have to play ball with these accommodations. If right. they say no, that could yeah. give you real leverage in the situations. And as a 28-year employee, uh, Lindsay, it could give you a lot of leverage to potentially negotiate some sort of exit package. Right. right? But that's only if they refuse to accommodate. Okay. If they play ball and they accommodate whatever restrictions or whatever whatever you need to get back to work, well, then you know, you've got to play ball with them as well. Um, okay. And just on a side note, are employers in Ontario, are they regulated to provide occupational health and safety stuff like WMIS? Um, you know, like Bill 168, like stuff that I had even no knowledge about until just recently, like, because um, I've never, I've never even had a second of training my whole 28 years. Yeah, I, I guess it depends. On, is this a unionized position, uh, Lindsay? No, no, it's not. It's okay. A, it's, a, it's an automotive technician. Fair enough. So listen, there's no obligation to train employees necessarily on this particular uh, you know, on that particular legislation, we're talking here about the Occupational Health and Safety Act and the various changes that have happened over the years with respect to things like harassment in the workplace and violence in the workplace. Um, you know, of course, employers have to follow. Yeah, of course, employers have to follow those rules. Lindsay, do not get me wrong. They apply to every single employer in the province, you know, small, medium or large. But it, does there have to be specific training on it? No, not unless the Ministry of Labor orders it. And sometimes they will order employers or, or management level employees to undergo that training if they've found a violation of health and safety legislation. So that would be one example, Lindsay, where maybe it's ordered, but again, only in response to some sort of violation. So even like working with hazardous materials and stuff like that, chemicals, disposal of that kind of stuff, they wouldn't be obligated to train me in WMIS. Uh, well, in, in a you know, in a case when we're dealing with ha hazardous work materials and uh, you know, uh, construction sites are another one, for example. Yeah, sure. In that case, Lindsay, it may be uh, it, there may be an obligation there for proper training. Absolutely, okay. right. Okay. The devil's in the details. It depends. It depends what we're talking about exactly here. You, you mentioned Bill One Sixty Eight, and obviously that was that was related to to harassment in the workplace and and whatnot. So it depends really on what the subject matter is. Marcia, hello. Good evening. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good. What's on your mind? Um, I am currently employed at a company. Uh, there's a certain, there are departments that employees don't stay at. They're constantly, there's a huge turnover. Um, and when those employees leave, the workload falls into my hands. So mm -hmm. now, 
I have spoken to my superiors about it. Um, this has been ongoing now for a couple of years, and I'm getting to the point now where I don't want to deal with it anymore. So their solution is they have hired a new employee, so their solution is for me to train that employee. So I guess the solution to my having um, a heavy workload is to give me more work to do, I guess. Do I need mm-hmm. I have to train that employee from, that is actually from my different department. It's, it's very convoluted. It's all going on um, in this, this company. So my question is, um, do I have to do the added workload and do I have to train someone to do their job that they hired them to do? Yeah, it's a very fair question. And, and I mean, first off, I'm glad that you've already raise this issue with your employer and i would uh i would recommend and suggest that you you and you know you do so professionally and respectfully don't get me wrong none of this has to be antagonistic or or uh, aggressive but very professionally and politely that you take a strong position with your employer to say I, you know i'm not doing any more work that i'm capable of if you know if you're paid for 40 hours a week and and that's your schedule or whatever the schedule ultimately is I would stand very firm on on you know not doing more than that unless of course you have the capacity and you're receiving compensation for it whether that's overtime or 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 whatever. Now, the specific question as to whether to train this new employee uh, uh Marcy is uh, is an interesting one because listen, on the one hand and in the long run this new employee might actually take some work off of your plate. And so in the long run, it might actually be a benefit to you to have this employee up to speed and up and running and working efficiently and knowing what they're doing. So I can see some value in that. Now, that said, to add the burden and the workload of you training a new, a new employee on top of what is already a full workload and then some, I agree with you and I would be concerned if I was you that that is not acceptable either. So I would suggest a compromise. And listen, this is common sense stuff, but it is also what the law would provide in a situation like this, which is you have no obligation to accept significantly more work than what you're being paid for or what your job description provides for. So if you're going to be training this new employee, I think there are some items that should be taken off your plate at the same time. So if you're going to be, again, taking on this new work of training, I, I think you should speak to your employer about, well, you know, if I'm going to be doing that, then I can't do X, Y, and Z. Those things are going to have to wait. Those things I cannot do. Perhaps find someone else to do them. I have no problem with you taking a position like that. Uh, Mars, I think it's perfectly reasonable, uh, right? And again, it's about working with your employer to find something that works as a solution here, and that is a compromise. I, I can see the value in you training this employee for the long term for yourself, for your own benefit. But that doesn't mean that you're going to burn yourself out over the next few weeks. You have to find a solution to that, to that problem and certainly feel very confident in telling your employer, I'm not taking any, on any more work than I already have. If I'm going to be training this person, somebody else has to do some of the other work that might fall by the wayside. We've got to uh, run, Mars. We've got to get to our next caller before we wrap up, and that would be Chance. Chance, you got a couple minutes. What's going on? Hey, Chance. Hello. Hey, how are you? Good. Sorry, it's actually Jim. Okay, John, yeah. not even close I got here. I got chance. <laughs> chance. We'll take a chance on you, Jim. How about that? What's going on? Yeah. 
No problem. We've got a uh, an employee that works for us. He's been with us for several years. We're a non-unionized company. We've had to write him up on several uh, occasions for his misconduct with other employees. Uh, we had a situation where there was a sexual uh, uh, situation. He made a comment, and we sent him for sensitivity training. He has since made a comment to that same uh, employee about her sensitivity uh, to uh, things he says. At what point does labor law look at a situation if we let somebody go when it comes to severance? Or is severance something that's guaranteed? Like, we've tried to work with this individual to give him training, and it just continuously beats a bully to people at work. And we're just wondering yeah. where we stand as an, employ- as an employer and the safety of our other employees. Absolutely, and you nailed it with that last comment, Jim, which is you're in a very delicate situation uh, as an employer because you have an obligation, a legal obligation, Jim, to protect that other employee from that kind of behavior. So I would keep that front and center when you're dealing with this situation. You don't want to be faced with a claim that you know you allowed workplace harassment to fester in uh, in the workplace and and that's what you need to guard against when it comes to this other employee and their behavior it's you know if you've mentioned they've been reprimanded multiple times already and they're still you know they still don't get it they're still bothering this employee whom they've made a sexual comment to in the past i hate to say it jim but i think that employee's time might be up uh my recommendation given that we're up against the clock here a little bit you and i need to chat about this off air uh, we can talk about a potential severance uh, offer, uh, or we can talk about potentially giving this employee one last chance. But we're in that we're in that territory, uh, uh, Jim, and I think it warrants a conversation for sure. Reach out to us, John. will give you the number as he has a couple of times throughout the show. Let's have a chat in more detail. You don't want to be in this kind of situation as an employer dealing with harassment in the workplace. Employers can end up in hot water if they don't do what they're supposed to. Jim, thank you so much. That's how we're going to wrap it for tonight. Nicely done, sir. Alex is your guy. You want to reach out to him now? You can. We're back here tomorrow, though. But in the meantime, 1-855-821-5900 is how you get a hold of Alex and his crew. That email address is help at employmentlawyer.ca. And for all other matters and to learn lots more and have access to a severance calculator, which will give you a, a much more accurate number of what you would be owed, that is Pocket Employment Lawyer. We're back at it 6.30 again tomorrow night. So join us then on our next edition of the Employment Law Show. Enjoy the rest of your night.